we're, let's uh, go to our mandate. I'm going to just talk for a few minutes about our mandate, and I know it is uh, not, um, you know, I, I don't want you to misunderstand that I'm, I'm uh, in any way, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> trying to uh, force something, but I want you to recognize what the word of the Lord said. And I know we're here on a Wednesday night and all of us know this. This is not something new. But I, I really want and I have, have encouraged, uh, I'm going to encourage our young folks to watch this later because I want them to know that this witnessing, inviting is not something that is a new thing. It is not something that, uh, and I'm going to try to explain it to them and let them know why we encourage this. And in fact, it goes back to the day of Pentecost, uh, before the day of Pentecost, actually, uh, the last words of Jesus in Acts, the first chapter, and the eighth and the ninth verses. Jesus told his disciples that had followed him, and they were thinking that he was going to start a revolution. He was going to start something that was going to put him in as the Christ. And as the Christ, he would be leading uh, uh, an insurrection against the Roman Empire and would be taking over the Roman government and overthrowing it and putting Israel uh, on the throne. And they asked him in the earlier verses, are you, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he basically told them, you read it in the book of Acts, the first chapter, don't get worried about the times or seasons that the Lord has in his hands. And then he said these words, and we're all familiar with them. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. They, they heard those words, and so they went to Jerusalem, and they were there, and they tarried there for ten days, awaiting for this promise of the Holy Ghost that was supposed to come. And they didn't know what was going to happen. They had no idea. And the Bible says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all together in the upper room, about 120, and they began to speak forth in a heavenly language. And it spilled out down the street. They were worshiping, praising God. God, and there was a supernatural sign. People heard them speaking in their own language. Now, that we know was that first outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And we who were raised apostolic, first generation, third generation, fourth generation, fifth generation, understand that's our, our, our beginnings, our, our 
a moment of conception, the birth of the early church. And we celebrate the day of Pentecost. Happened a few weeks ago, the end of May, and seven weeks after Easter. And we get excited about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And we know what Simon Peter said. Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Then he added words. And those words that he added, he didn't fully understand or comprehend. But he said, for this promise is unto you and to your children. And all... You can underline that, A-L-L, that are afar off. Now we would say, well, maybe he meant Jews that had been dispersed. And that's probably what he thought when he said it. And then he says it again, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now that opens the door to the Lord calling anybody. And so, while he said those words, we know who have studied the book of Acts, and if you've never studied the book of Acts, I encourage you to get a Bible study or take your Bible and read through the book of Acts. Study it as a historical document, which is what it is. And in the 10th chapter, Simon is he's already been through several miracles. The church has exploded that very first day. 3,000 received the Holy Ghost and were baptized. And a few days later, 5,000 had just mushroomed. And we know that Simon is Jewish. He was born Jewish and raised Jewish, and that's his lineage. And he all of a sudden falls into a trance and a vision and he sees a sheet and it all happens in Acts the 10th chapter. 10th chapter opens by telling us a little background about Cornelius who was a Roman soldier. He was from Italy. Uh, he was at least, uh, he was a leader of the Italian band uh, soldier so we think maybe uh, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, uh, Cornelius Gedalato, uh, uh, I don't know what his last name was. Uh, maybe he was Jewish and just was in charge of a bunch of Italians. I don't know what it was. But he was in charge of this Italian regiment of soldiers. And so Cornelius uh, is a devout man. He prays, he gives alms, he asks God to, you know, lead him and guide him and direct him. And so he is a, the Bible says, a devout man, a just man. And he's praying and talking to God. And I don't know, he's Roman. So maybe he's talking to uh, all the gods that the Romans had. Or maybe he had come in contact with somehow believing there's another God. I, I don't know. But the Lord saw his heart and saw there was something about Cornelius. He was a Gentile, and in the process of that, 
the Lord is dealing with Simon Peter. You read it in Acts the 10th chapter. And Simon sees this vision of unclean animals. And a voice from heaven says, rise, slay and eat. And Simon immediately, oh no Lord, I'm not going to violate the law. The law says those are unclean. So I don't know what was in there. Maybe a camel, maybe a, a pig. Maybe a lobster, uh, whatever. All of those are considered unclean. Maybe a rabbit uh, that they should not eat. And so uh, all of those animals were there. And so he falls asleep. And again, the same thing. And the angel says that what I've called clean, don't you call unclean. So all of a sudden this voice is more powerful than even the law. And so second time, third time, and finally he wakes up and realizes this is not just too much broccoli last night or I got out in the sun too long. This is from God. And he says, okay, Lord, uh, I will, uh, you know, I will not call it unclean. And so um, immediately he is convinced now and so they send uh, for him and he starts preaching in this 10th chapter. And what's amazing is his opening verse, his opening, some of his opening sermon was, I put here in the 10th chapter, the 34th verse, Peter opens his mouth and says, of a truth, I perceive God is no respecter of persons. Now we respect people. We respect people according to a badge they wear, a title they have, an education, a, a position they hold, an authority, a political position, an educational position. This is so-and-so, professor so-and-so, doctor so-and-so. This is my cardiologist. This is my uh, anesthesiologist. You can fill in the blank and we have a certain respect that we afford folks and we would say well those are important people they do an important job and we might put their life and we would obviously pay them more than you pay the guy that picks up the trash and yet we all know that you need the guy that picks up the trash as well and uh, you need somebody that's uh, help you be a plumber uh, you know, you need a well digger. We live on well water. And last Monday, uh, not just two days ago, but uh, ten days ago, I got up getting ready for uh, the Reese funeral and I turned on the water and there was none. Praise the Lord. And uh, so fortunately we have a barn down the hill and I raced down and took a shower down the hill and came to church, called the well guy and said, something's wrong. We have no water in the house. And he said, oh, well, we'll have to pull your well. I didn't know what that meant. What that means is taking everything out, putting a new pump down at the bottom or checking the pump, see if it's clogged or working. So all day Monday, he worked on the well while I was at the uh, funeral, he starts working, and by Monday night, 8 o'clock or something, we had water. And I will tell you, that moment, 
He was the best person that I'd ever met that day. I had water. And if you would have seen him dressed, what he had on, of course he was dealing with all kind of mud and all this. I would have said, well, oh, if you put him, you put a, you know, a governor, which would you have rather seen? Let me tell you. Steve Nethers. <laughs> That's who you would rather seen. Not Mike DeWine. <laughs> I needed water. <laughs> and so, uh, sure enough, so that was, you know, thank the Lord we were able to get it. My point is, God is no respecter of persons, he said. But in every, out of, in every nation, he that feareth him, that doesn't mean you're afraid of God, but that you respect God and do what is right, works righteousness, is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, and he's continuing on preaching, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word which was published throughout all Judea began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, talking about John the Baptist, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. And he goes on. You can read the sermon. It's a great sermon. And he commanded us to preach unto all the people. This, he's not telling them that they need the Holy Ghost. He's just telling them the good news of that Jesus came to save Sinners to forgive. And he said, He commanded us to preach unto the people. Now that's talking about all the way back to the Great Commission. We'll look at it in a moment. And to testify that which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead, and to give all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believeth in him shall have remission of sins. And while he was speaking, what happened? The Holy Ghost fell on them that heard the word. And the Jews, when they call them they of the circumcision, the Jews were what? Astonished. They were blown away. They were like, this is unbelievable. And because on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. And how did they know they had gotten the Holy Ghost? Because they got it in the same supernatural way that they had on the day of Pentecost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So what did Simon say? Hey, they've been baptized with the Holy Ghost. Let's baptize him in Jesus' name. And so he said, Can any man forbid water that they should not be baptized who have heard, who have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? 
And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they said, well, stay and tarry with us a few days. And that has how the 10th chapter ends. And you see, Simon grew up Jewish. And so he realized that the mandate that had been given to Abraham all the way back when he was Abram, before he became Abraham, even before he left Ur of the Chaldees, the mandate had been, get out of the country, read it in Genesis, the 12th chapter, from thy kindred, from your father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee. And make your name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless those that bless thee, curse those that curse thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Simon was just going, okay, I have to be told that there it's okay to go to the Gentile house. He didn't know they were going to get the Holy Ghost, but he was just going to tell them that Jesus had come. He didn't know if they would get the Holy Ghost. He didn't know if that was just for Jewish believers. He was just going to tell them the good news. Jesus came and lived and died so that if you believe in him, you can, you can be saved. You can have salvation he remembered what Jesus had told them he that believeth in me out of his belly shall flow rivers of the water which he was speaking about the Holy Ghost so Simon didn't know what was all going to happen and so it blew his mind and yet we know from Abraham all the way down to David to all the prophets I could read you <coughs> literally hundreds of references where in the Old Testament it says that we're supposed to be a blessing to everyone around us. That the world should be blessed. Now I know you say well how can I be, you know, can I give them money? Sure, you can be a blessing by giving to people. But the, the most important thing that a person can do to be a blessing is to tell them what the Lord has done for you. Yes. Yes. Say, well, I want to give them a hundred dollars. Wonderful. I want to give them a thousand. Wonderful. You give them ten thousand. You, if, you, if you're wanting to pass out money, we will let you pass out here. That's fine. I can say tonight how many line up across the front would like to receive a a monetary blessing of $1,000 each, and I bet we'd have plenty. And next Wednesday night, we wouldn't have a seat in here thinking we were going to do it again. Right? And once the word got out, everybody that was there on Wednesday, you won't believe it. They all got $1,000. Whoo, man. And I understand, and that's good. It's got, no, I'm not saying anything wrong with that. I'm just simply saying... That, that's a great blessing. But the greatest blessing anyone could ever receive is that their sins have been forgiven and they feel the weight of the world lifted off and they know that they can walk into eternal life with the Lord. Yeah. 
and they have a relationship with him. You say, well, you know, a great blessing would be to heal everybody, and I understand. I, you know, go to the hospitals and just heal everybody, and those will all be wonderful. And I, I understand all of that, but the greatest blessing is that I know that I, one day the Lord is going to come back and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's the amazing blessing. David said it like this. You can read it. The entire 67th Psalm. He said, God be merciful unto us and bless us. Cause his face to shine upon us. You know, this is, sounds like what we read in a blessing on a children's dedication. That thy way may be known. What, what is the greatest blessing? That your way may be known upon the earth. Thy saving health among all nations. Let the people praise thee. O God, let all people praise thee. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations on the earth. Selah, let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase. And God, even our own God, shall bless thee. And God shall bless us. And all the ends of the earth shall fear him. So David was saying the greatest blessing is that we know who God is. That we're able to know him. And Paul understood this. And of course he had studied under the feet of Gamaliel, a very learned Jew. So when he wrote his book to the church at Galatia, Paul said in the third chapter, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. That's a blessing. Anybody been guilty of doing anything wrong? Amen. Having a bad thought? Wanting to lay somebody out? Huh? Wishing you had an armored tank that you could run them off the road? Not y'all, I know. I'm the bad guy on the driving. Huh? I get it. Ever had, you know, any anger, frustration, said a cross word? Probably none of y'all. Y'all are all saved. You know, I had somebody tell me, you know, well... I've never done this and I've never done that. And I said, yeah, and Jesus talked about all of that, but do you ever have hatred in your heart? And do you ever call somebody a fool? And do you ever say an unkind word about them? Oh, well, I mean, you know, hello, come on, be real. He said, if you've offended in one... I know, you know, one you go to prison for and one you won't, but I get it. Thou shalt not kill, but if you've hated them, hmm. So he said, 
Paul is talking to the church of Galatia. He hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Why did he do that? That the blessing of what? Of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through whom? Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That's what he said. He said the greatest blessing that we could have that you trace it all the way back to Abraham is that when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, when you believe and you believe he is a rewarder and you raise your hands and begin to worship and praise him and the Holy Ghost begins to speak through you in a heavenly language, that is a symbol of the blessing of Abraham being conferred to you. And if that's the case, we're supposed to encourage somebody else to be blessed. Yeah. I know you say, well, our mandate is to, you know, I, I got it. I don't know. They can get it. Now, this same Simon who had to be convinced to go to Cornelius' house later in his book wrote, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers. The Gentiles basically scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through how sanctification of the Spirit and unto the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you, and peace be multiplied. Later in that same book, he said, Sanctify the Lord in your hearts, and always be ready, always to give an answer to every man that asks you of the reason. What answer should you give of the reason of the hope that is in you? With meekness and with fear, with meekness, with humility, with fear. That's an important point. He said, always be ready to give an, a reason for the hope that's in you. When everybody else is stressed over whether it's COVID or fear, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen and I, I can't understand it and I'm overwhelmed. We're supposed to have a hope in us. But you know what? It doesn't mean that we're unwise. doesn't mean we didn't wear masks. doesn't mean we don't sanitize our hands. But we have a hope, Lord. We know all things work together for good. We know in whom we believe. We know you are able to do whatever. Our lives are in your hands. Our, is there not our own? God, we trust you. And so it gives us a peace and the grace and not that you go around and say, well, I'm not worried. You're worried. Ha, ha, ha. He said, with all meekness and with respect. And yet we've seen, you know, 
and they're talking about it on the news and everywhere. Well, so much anger on airplanes and in banks and in places, and they require this, and oh, I don't like it, and I'm not, I'm tired, and I and I I don't I want everybody to wear a mask. I don't want anybody to wear a mask. I'm tired of this. And let me tell you, you don't have to talk too long to too many people before they it bubbles to the surface, huh? Before they go, that's just stupid. That's ignorant. Did you read this? Did you hear that? And I'm going to tell you, once they find out exactly where this came from, all of our problems will be over. Right? You know, there's no peace. So the early church preached the gospel, the good news, everywhere they went. And they knew that what Jesus had told them in what we commonly call the Great Commission, and it's in the end of Matthew, the end of Mark, the end of Luke, and that basically go and teach all nations, preach the gospel to every creature, among all nations, you read it, Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, we know what the Bible says. And so the early church did that and that's why it's important and I know, I, I know some are out of town and they're going to be tired and after Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, of course, we have special service with... Uh, Brother Solomon, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and he's a young man from here in Ohio, and he's, you know, an evangelist, and called me several months ago when COVID was uh, coming off, and he had to be at the camp this, I mean, at the CLC this week, wanted to know if he could come, and I, you know, I, I you know, he's not a uh, world-renowned evangelist, but you know what? We're, we're doing our best to encourage and strengthen and be a blessing and get involved and say, Lord, we trust and have faith and we're gonna, we want to tell folks, invite them to this service, invite them to the church service, invite them to log on. Why? Because that was our mandate. To tell somebody about the Lord. To encourage somebody. Now you say, well, everybody I know and I don't, you know, but when you read it, start, you, you can pick anywhere in the history book of Acts. And the Lord was using them and directing them and they were talking about it. There was a young man named Timothy who was um, a binational, I guess. Maybe you want to call him biracial. His mother was biracial. He, his mother was a Jew. His father was a Greek. He was half Gentile, half Jew, named Timothy. Paul later wrote to Timothy. Timothy became a pastor. And we know the first, second books of Timothy became a son in the gospel to Paul. And here he was a half-breed. And the, that was what's so amazing about 
the early church. The early church did not look along the lines of, well, you got to be Jewish, or you got to be Gentile, or you got to be this race, or that creed, or that the male, female. They had women that were prophetesses. They had women that preached. They had men that preached. In a time when women had very little rights at all. And so, what was it? It was about the fact that in Christ there's neither male nor female, bond nor free, Jew nor Greek. That if you've been born again of the water and of the Spirit, sure, did they write to women, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord, sure, all that. We can talk about all of that. But there was, you know, they planned on going to Bithynia, which is where Simon Peter said there were believers and the vision came to Paul and, and a guy from Macedonia saying, come here. Macedonia was an impoverished place, had very little money, had very little means. In fact, the Bible, Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, you see now the Macedonians have given above measure, above that they were able. And yet, here it is. The, the Lord said, go to Macedonia. It, it didn't matter whether they were rich, whether they were poor, whether they were Greek, whether they were Gentile. It was, we're going to tell anybody and everybody about what the Lord has done for us. That was the mandate. And, you know, you say, well, it started a revolution. Well, in reality, if you, if you study the book of Acts well, and if you read what Jesus said, Jesus never attempted to overthrow the Roman government. And I understand, we have people that, you know, politically I'm gonna, I'm gonna vote this way, because I can't believe that God would want you to vote. And I understand that. I understand the tenets of parties and I get all of that. But what I'm going to tell you is that the Lord was not interested in overthrowing the governments. It is okay to be political. It's okay to support your candidate. That's fine. It's, I encourage you to vote. But I'm here to tell you that God doesn't need a particular party in office for us to have a revival. Amen. God doesn't need to have Trump or Biden or whomever in order for God's will to be done on the earth. I'm telling you, he can set one up and take one down. Yes. You can say, well, it was just luck. Trump would have been in if it wouldn't have been for coronavirus. Okay. That's a great theory. Let me tell you what it was. God allowed all of this because he has a purpose. Yes. We serve him. And I understand. I've seen folks get, you know, oh, and I get it. I, you know, and I, I understand. And the controversy that's going on now within the Catholic Church of whether or not Biden should be allowed to have communion, and that I'm thankful he wasn't apostolic. 
Because we'd probably be having the same battle. I get it. I don't agree with some of his stances. I'm not telling you what to like him or not, but what I'm here to tell you is they didn't try to overthrow the governments or the people. Now, they got accused of it. You will notice the 16th chapter. What happened was Paul goes to the synagogue. He tries to argue intellectually. Those people, they say, few of them say, we believe, so the rest of them say, we don't care about it. So guess what Paul hears about? Huh, oh, a prayer meeting's going on down by the river. Well, this thing was born in a house of prayer, so let's go to the prayer meeting. And he goes to the prayer meeting, and he begins to talk about the Lord. And there's a woman there by the name of Lydia. And she believes, and he baptizes her, and she gets the Holy Ghost, and says, stay with us. And so he starts going around the city, seeing whom he can talk to. Remember? Read it in Acts, the 16th chapter. And some little girl, who was full of the devil, starts following around behind him, saying, these are the men of the Most High God. Except the way she was saying it, it was like, Nanny, nanny, boo boo. Oh, you're a Christian. Huh? And she kept on, and he listened to it, and he kept on, and he listened to it. Huh? Read it, 16th chapter of Acts. Y'all know it. Y'all are Bible scholars. What did he finally do? Huh? Remember? Devil, come out of her. she was tormenting the fire out of him. And the guy that had been using her to make money got mad. So the guy that had been using her, abusing her, wanted her possessed so that he could he didn't care whether she, it's fine, she could be possessed all day long as long as she was making him some money. Huh? People that don't really care as long as it's something that they're going to get out of it. And so what did, he went and he started stirring up problems. And you read it in the 16th chapter, he starts, he starts in and he is, his hope of gains were gone. And he said, these Jews trouble our city. And so what did they do? Threw them in jail. And Simon Peter and Silas were, I mean, Paul and Silas were depressed. And oh God, we were trying to do right, and I'm sorry, and oh God, why you don't care about us? What's going on now? We're in jail. All we were doing was inviting people, telling them about the Lord. We didn't have church buildings. We were just saying, Jesus can fill you. I want to tell you, when you start doing this, I realize there's going to be a little opposition. But so what? God is greater. And so at midnight, 
What are they doing in the jail? God is great and greatly to be praised. Their hands and feet, their feet are in stocks. You remember? At midnight, they prayed, sang, and all of a sudden, the floor started shaking. Everything started happening. Jail doors broke open. The jailer started to kill himself. Paul said, don't do that. We're all here. And he says, oh, what must I do to have what you have? So they baptized him that night, the jailer. And if you read the story, and it's kind of, I know you all know it, but it's exciting because Paul let it be known that he was a Roman citizen. And they had put him in jail without having a fair trial. And so the city got mad and basically said, since the jail is wrecked, y'all just get out of town. And you know what Paul had the audacity to say? Oh no, you come down here and tell me I can go. This was what was going on. You read on into the 17th chapter and they come to Thessalonica and people are there and they're reasoning with them in the scriptures and the Jews didn't believe and they got envious and they, they hired people that were of a baser sort that were lewd. The Bible calls them lewd fellows of a baser sort. And they went to the house of Jason, who was a believer, and they used this slang phrase that we like, but says they've turned the world upside down. <clears throat> and they've come here. And basically, they accused them of trying to overthrow the government. They're saying that Jesus is Lord or Jesus is King and not Caesar. And that is the lie from the pit. Paul nor any of the early disciples preached that you should ignore the law of the land. Now you may say, well, what if the law says, and I, you know, murder somebody? I understand if it goes against God's direct law. I'm not talking about that. But when somebody says, well, the law, the law says that we, and I know I had it this year when the governor said you can't, shouldn't meet more than this past year, you know, more than 10 people in a, in a service. And, and then we got a letter from our general superintendent that said, you need to obey the law of the land. And then we got a letter from the insurance company that said, and you need to obey the law of the land. If you don't obey the law of your county, that we can have the right to cancel your insurance. And people say, Pastor, why did you not, why did you cancel service when the law said we couldn't have it? Because I knew it wasn't going to stop church. Right. Amen. 
Wasn't going to stop the move of God. Wasn't going to stop people getting healed, people getting touched, people getting filled. What are you saying? I'm not, are you saying that, you know, that you've agreed with it all, that you thought that it has nothing to do. They did not believe or preach or teach insurrection. And when people tell you, well, you know, do it in the name of whatever, that, that was not at all what they had said. And, and you read on in the 17th chapter that that's what they accused him of, that there was no other king but, uh, but, but that they were fighting against Caesar. And in reality, the truth of the matter is, this is the very thing that they accused Jesus of in his trial. Remember that? They hired false witnesses to say, he said he was going to tear down the temple. He never said that. He said that he was going to, well, that wasn't what he said. And in fact, Paul let it be known that what is it that is supposed to be shed abroad in our hearts? What are we supposed to be showing? The love of God because we've received the Holy Ghost, the greatest gift of love that we could ever have been given. In fact, in this same book, Romans the 13th chapter, he said, let every soul be subject unto higher powers. There's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever resists that power, resists the ordinance of God. They that resist shall receive unto themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. I use that line. He's a minister of God to thee for good. One time I got stopped by a policeman. I thanked him for the ticket. I said, you, many, many years ago. I said, you are, my Bible teaches me that you're a minister of God to me for good. I need to slow down. And he said, well, you're going to give in the offering. And wrote me a ticket. I said, all right. He took a collection right there. So it may not get you out of a ticket, but that's what you have to look at him as. A revenger to execute wrath upon him that does evil. The Lord's message was about love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son in the world to condemn the world but the world through him might be saved. That's why Paul opened his letter to the church of Galatia. Grace and peace. When, when people say, well, you know, and I understand the Crusades and there were people that came from England and, and all and they, they committed atrocities on the world. That's not how Christianity began. Christianity began by telling people the good news. The Lord loves you. The Lord wants to fill you. He's got a gift for you. You can receive that gift.
He gave himself for our sins. That he could deliver us from this present evil world. And I know they talked different to different groups. When they went to prayer meetings, they prayed. When they went to Mars Hill and the intellectuals, they showed them scriptures. And I realized there are people that are intellectual and you've got to talk to them in an intellectual manner and go through the Bible. And, you know, people that believe they know the Lord and they may believe they, they don't understand baptism in Jesus' name. And we teach a Bible study and we show them what the Bible says. And I realize that's different. And those that were godless, they, you know what they did? They, they didn't say, well, bless God, did you know you're going to split hell wide open? That's what we'd like to say. But that's not what they talked about. They talked about, let me tell you, I know something that's got more power than that stuff you're going to on Friday night. I can tell you something that'll give you more peace of mind than all that stuff you're addicted to. I'm going to tell you about the power of the Holy Ghost. You remember? The Corinthians were that way. You read the, the city, you study the city of Corinth and the church of Corinthians, the Corinthian church, and it was a hedonistic, wild, party, animal city in between two bodies of water. Everybody had to pass through there, Corinth. And they had everything going on in Corinth. And some of it was going on in the church. And that's why Paul wrote them a strong letter. Huh? And said things like, such were some of you, but you've been washed. Stop it. But you know what he told them? I didn't come to you with an intellectual wisdom message. I came to you in the power of the Holy Ghost. Then he later told them in that same book, though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory in it. For of necessity it's laid on me. Yet woe is me if I preach not the good news. For I do it willingly. And he talks about a reward and what his reward was. And he goes on in this ninth chapter and he said, Verily, when I preach the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not by power in the gospel. For though I'm free from all men, I've been made a servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Unto the Jews I become what? A Jew, I, that I might gain the Jews to those that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain those that are under the law. What was he saying? He, he was saying, I'm not, you know, when in Rome do as the Romans, we have that saying. But what he was saying is, you try to get on the level where they are. And that's why, obviously, if you have a neighbor and you know they're going through something, bring them a pie. But, you know, witness to them. You got somebody on work, stop and talk to them. No, meet them where they are. Doesn't mean that you say, well, they're drinking, so I'm going to go to the bar and drink with them. And he explains that. Let me show you. I'll read it to you. He said, those that are without the law as without the law. And then in parenthesis, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. In other words, he said, I don't go, you know, well, they're murdering, going on a drinking spree or drug spree, so I'm going to go with them to win somebody to the Lord. That's not winning somebody to the Lord. He said, I still am under the law of God. Under Christ. 
And I know, I've, you know, I've had people say, well, I just was going to be their friend. I went to the party because they asked me. Well, bless your heart, that's not winning somebody to the Lord. And he said that, that I might gain those that are without the law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I was made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Now does that mean that Paul was saying you can live like you want and do? No. In fact, if you read Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians and the book to Timothy and the book to Titus, he talks very candidly about immorality and inappropriate behavior and actions and all of that. But he said, that's not how you win somebody. You don't go to your next door neighbor and say, well, praise the Lord. Nice to meet you. Do you know you're going to hell? Huh? Sorry. He doesn't say that you pull up a chair and drink with him, but he's saying that you love him enough that you show him. Let me tell you, I used to, I knew somebody that had that. I used to do that, but I found something that's better. I found something that you wake up the next morning without a hangover and it doesn't destroy your marriage or your home. I found something that God is able to do for you. Let me tell you what the Lord can do. Let me tell you the good news. You can learn how to meet Jesus and live right. Let me tell you the good news of the gospel. And I, I want these young folks to know that it's our mandate to tell somebody of what the Lord's doing for us. It's our mandate to explain how good God's been to us. You may say, well, I don't understand. I, I don't. It's our mandate. Why? He's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. Glory, glory. It's so good to have all of you here tonight. We're going to stand. It's a lot of verses, a lot of history, most of which I know, you know. I want these young folks to hear it when I have them listen to this. I hope they will log on. I know you're here. I know it's Wednesday night. But you know what? It doesn't hurt any of us to be reminded. This is our mandate. Ye shall receive power. I'm not telling you you have to go to everybody that you see and tell them, well, let me invite you, let me tell you, but as many as you can find a way. Our family, we call it going fishing. I don't know if you've ever... You know, what do, what do you mean? I, somebody waits on you. Hi, how are you? Be pleasant. Smile. Be kind to them. What are you doing? Doesn't take too long and you say, do you go to church anywhere? Let me invite you. We have a blessing card here. May I give you a blessing? Why? I've been blessed. 
We got blessing cards back there. Well, aren't you having problems? Sure. I came to a funeral and didn't have water. Didn't know if I'd go home and shower or not. Have you ever had a problem? Yeah, I've had plenty. But the Lord's been good. And let me tell you, this world is not my home. I was glad I had water at the bottom of the hill. Sheena and David were gone. First question they asked was, why didn't you go to our house? I said, I did good enough to think about the barn. What are you saying? I, what a privilege we have, knowing the Lord, having the presence of the Lord. And, and so, you know, don't ever, for all of us, let's remember, Lord, help me to say something to somebody, to invite somebody, to encourage somebody. And I know, whether it's Saturday, if you're able to be here at nine, if you pray at home, whatever, I, I'm encouraging you, come, be a part. Why? I want to encourage these young people. Our mandate is to tell somebody about what the Lord has done for us. You say, well, and I know, not this coming weekend, we have guests, then the next weekend is July 4th, and we're going to have a fellowship outside and Sunday, and we're going to have hamburgers or whatever it is they're going to have, and, and you can invite somebody to that. But it, you, let me tell you, and, and that's good, and I want you to invite somebody to that and all that. But let me tell you, there's something that's even better than a hamburger. Something better than a hot dog. One day my burdens rolled away <laughs> that had bothered me forever, night and day. I can wake up and have peace of mind. Raise my hands and you say, well, I've done wrong. I can just raise my hands and say, oh Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me with meekness and feel the cleansing touch of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Let's thank the Lord for his word. Lord, we love you. I sing praises unto